Welcome to Indie Depth, the show where we go in-depth with independent filmmakers. I'm your host, Andrew Froning, and today on the show, we have New Jersey filmmaker Jay Palmieri Jr., whose recent short films, Taste and Leia, have together won 42 awards, and he's working on his first feature. This is a hard-working man, gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, good, considering the circumstances. Exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, we're yeah. we're trying to make of it what we can, which is sort of why I'm yeah. doing the show. You know, I can do a yeah. phone conversation with people, but then again, um, everybody likes to talk film. Yeah, exactly. That, that I know of. So if I can share with other people our insights, I think that's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, I feel like especially that's the one plus size plus side of this whole thing is like people I feel are being more creative and people that maybe are put their arts to the side are now rediscovering their like passion for art which is like the way if you could look at a positive for all this that's, like that's yeah that's great that's a very positive way to look at it yeah <laughs> i love it yeah. <laughs> okay so um you found kind of a niche for yourself as a filmmaker yeah i like for me i've always been into the horror and thrillers since i was like i want to say 10 is when i remember like really finding the passion for that genre and my first horror film that i ever saw was berserker i don't know if you've ever seen it it's like no. such a rare like very rare i think like uh vinegar syndrome like recently like brought it back because it never had like a dvd or blu-ray release okay it was, like, strictly vhs but i remember that was the first horror film i ever saw because i found it in my mom's um cabinet and i was like "Ooh, the cover interests me so that's <laughs> where my love for <laughs> horror started <laughs> okay pet cemetery was mine and i think i hid oh, in the yeah. closet afterwards right. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a couple years um, <laughs> so um where do you come up with your ideas for films because you don't have the standard you know guy in a mask with a knife you know your mm. stuff is it's pretty original i feel thank you um so like with me my ideas are just very random like for Taste, that was a film about um, sexual assault within the fashion industry and modeling world. And I think, from what I remember, I was just looking at a fashion magazine, and for some reason I was like, well, that'd be kind of interesting to mix fashion with the world of horror, especially something that's like a real-life horror, mm. such as um, sexual assault. And I filmed that two years ago before the Me Too movement happened. And I, I feel like that was a story that people could relate to because my previous four films, they were like cheesy slasher horror films. So I knew for my fifth film, I wanted to do something more mature and something that maybe people that don't like horror movies would gravitate towards to like a thriller mixed with horror elements. Okay, yeah. That's kind of like where I went with that. And with Leia, the actress who was in Taste, she posted like a modeling picture of her in like a kind of like an abandoned, like I think boat yard. And she was like, in like a nice negligee and wrapped in like fishnets and i was like ooh for some reason that made me think of a haunted house mixed with suspiria <laughs> so okay. that it's like i just get ideas that randomly it's like odd <laughs> okay yeah i mean you gotta yeah. they, you pull them from the ether and yeah if you don't write them down or yeah <laughs> put them in the paper think about them enough mm. i always i'm bad at writing things down like you know now i have google docs on my phone so mm. i can create something and type something yeah. i might never see it again but mm -hmm. i've written it down and yeah i started doing that recently on the train like on notes just like i'll write like a little outline of something i'll just be like commuting to work and i'll be like oh somehow something pops i'm like let me just write this down because case it comes to fruit fruit uh fruition one day you know all right 
Yeah, and um, a lot of times when I don't write things down, mm-hmm. I find that if it's something I remembered, something I'm still thinking about, that there's probably yeah. something there. Yeah, that's like your body saying that you gotta make that your next one. Yeah, don't forget about this because I, yeah. I have a, I'm so forgetful. I'm I'm very mm-hmm. bad. I should write things down more than I do, but right. if I can, if something stays with me, mm-hmm. I know that's, that's something I should pursue. Yeah. yeah. So you've got like horror and thriller aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sort of a similar genre, would you say? Yeah, I would say. I could sit, so I've made seven films to date, and my first four I classify as my cheesy, campy, straight up horror films. And then Taste was my fifth film. So from Taste up to Play, there I consider my erotic mixed with realism thrillers with doses of horror elements. So I, I kind of, I feel like that's my genre that I feel like I excel in was the thriller aspect. So that's kind of where I'm like following up with now from my next projects okay yeah a little more psychological rather than you know boom Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's good because those are the ones that stick with you you know if something pops out i mean yeah every now and then you're gonna remember oh my god you know in the exorcist Mm -hmm. when they flash that lady's face or in what was that one with the the darth maul looking dude in daylight insidious yes 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 the lipstick demon they call yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Lipstick yeah, yeah. demon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, that stuff sticks with you, but I feel like the more psychological stuff is what mm-hmm. you remember. Especially because, like, when my film Taste premiered in New York City two years ago, it actually caused a woman to faint at the festival premiere. So for me, I'm like, if I never make it to the Oscars or anything, I'm like, I have my exorcist moment because remember how people were always fainting in the theater. Yeah. So I'm like. And it's weird because I was like, really? Like, I, I don't know if this happens with you, but like, even when I make my films, I still have that I'm in film school mentality. And the fact that I sent a woman to the hospital, like my film, I was like, wow. <laughs> as long as she's okay, you know, wow, yeah, that's yeah. an accomplishment. <laughs> it was like a bit a bittersweet moment. I was like, ooh, we did our job right. But I'm like, oh, I feel horrible. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So that's um, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's great because um, they say that suspense and anything with mm-hmm. a thriller, it's something that you really have to work towards. Yeah, because I feel like it brings the audience on a journey more. Because when like straight up hard, there's jump scares. It's like you're just like, oh, I know I'm expecting this. But when you're with a suspense thriller, I feel like it just builds that tension more and more where you know something's leading up to something is going to happen and it makes you more, the viewer, more uncomfortable because you're, like, going slowly so you don't know when it's going to come. And you feel like that person in the theater, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't call that person, don't go over there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it keeps the audience very engaged. Yeah. You're you're at the specific... (laughs) type of horror um you do a little more on the like tasteful erotic side um yeah. you have very intimate moments um when did you start incorporating that so basically with taste because that was my first film that would not have any elements of being cheesy campy it was going to be straight up like serious and i was watching a lot of um, European films, specifically French films. I always, for me, I prefer European cinema okay. because I feel like 
I like when they hold on moments, like they'll hold on shots. It's not very cut, like let's get a close up here. It's like you're just on that moment. And when they depict the subject matter, they go like full force with it, no matter how intense. And I've always admired that about them because I feel like American films are very, they'll censor moments. So for me, I, when I did that with taste, I was like, okay, if I'm going to talk about sexual assault, I want to do it as authentically as possible and safe. So then I, that was my first one, also directing actors with a sex scene, a rape scene and nudity. And I, for me, with the casting process, I felt like I needed to be very specific on what the film would entail because I've, I want my actors to feel safe. So I want them to know exactly what the film would entail. So that way they feel, we build a trust with each other. So nothing's a surprise. And we actually choreographed all the intimate scenes. So that way they, they knew it was in safe hands. And I was just lucky enough that I had actors that trusted my vision, especially for a short film, because the stuff that the two lead actresses in particular had to go through it, the fact that they trusted me meant a lot and I wanted them to feel safe and be able to deliver a performance I know that they would be happy about, which also helped bring awareness to that subject matter. Sure. And you're dealing with something that is uh, very traumatic yeah. for um, people who have experienced it um, and, you know, just people who... Um, <clears throat> you're making people aware that there are people like this out here who will take advantage of you. Um, you know, it, it's admirable on the one side to make a film that can kind of highlight that these these things are happening and, you know, look out, be aware. Um, mm -hmm. And on the other side, some people may say that's a little... Um, Exploitative or Sure, something. sure. Like, how do you reconcile that with anyone who might raise that as an issue? So actually that has happened like at a few festivals where there was one in particular we screened at the Angelica Film uh, Theater in Virginia. And you know when you can, this is where I learned the importance of a Q&A because I usually, I always get nervous when I have to do public speaking, but this is that moment where I realized it's important because after the film screened, they had all the filmmakers go to the front of the theater and the audience had to ask everyone's questions. You know when you can read an energy in the room where like it just because my film was last to screen and like so I, they're like still sitting with it and I could feel the energy was just very tense and like I don't know if I want to say against me but like they were like I, I don't know I just felt some kind of energy at me and then when they started asking questions majority of the questions were for me and one person asked that like why did you feel the need to go to that level with the film and I felt because also with that film, the rapist is a female, so I wanted to show that rapists have no gender. Okay. So I feel like a lot of times with what we talk about with sexual assault, people just assume it's a man raping a woman, but I wanted to show that anybody could be evil and you need to keep your guard up, that you can't trust anybody. And I wanted to show that this happens in the fashion industry too. And so I wanted to tell them that I wanted to the story to feel authentic about LGBT rape and also that... I reiterated that my actors had full knowledge of what to expect and whatever they were comfortable with and not comfortable with. That's how we went about it. But after I described to them why I went to that level, the audience seemed like they were like, uh, like they like, then they were like back on my side. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, <sighs> yeah. They were like, oh, they actually understood that it was important why it was shot the way it was shot because the way it's shot is very, as if, 
it's it's handheld, but it's, it moves so slow that I wanted to kind of feel like a person's eyes shifting slowly, hmm. and I want them to feel, the audience to feel like they are the camera witnessing something that they can't stop. Because I feel like a lot of times when we, especially with the Me Too movement, people don't you hear so many people don't believe victims or like why they wait so long, but and I feel like them sometimes when people see something that makes them be like, oh, they understand the subject matter more. Sure. Instead of talking about it. And you're creating that empathy too, because I imagine in this case with the cinematography, you're trying to Mm -hmm. say, um, you're trying to put the audience in the main character's headspace. Yeah. And to see that she's trapped and for it to be uncomfortable, if you don't do it that way, it's, it's almost being disingenuous. Yeah, because that's the whole thing about with American films. Because I know if it was, sh- if it was like an, even though I'm American, but when there's American films, if they when they do that subject matter, it's very, I don't know, it feels very staged, not authentic. When I watch, and then when you watch a European film depict that subject matter or any subject matter, it feels more raw and realistic. And I feel like I have more empathy for the character because I felt like I was in it with them compared to if I watch an American Hollywood film do that subject matter. So that's why with that film, I felt I needed to go the European route visually with it. Sure, yeah, I can definitely see from from what you were saying. That -hmm. seems like the right approach. I know a lot of American movies, it's like someone gets uncomfortably close to someone and then you cut and it's like implied. Mm -hmm. And I know Ridley Scott has said about sex scenes, you know, they're not, sex isn't fun unless you're involved or something like that <laughs> like yeah, he yeah. doesn't he doesn't care to shoot scenes like that um mm-hmm. i don't yeah. know everybody and also with those actors that did the scenes that was their first time doing nudity ever too okay so like, for me i was like i was just amazed that they trusted me so much that they were willing that we were both all doing this for our first time like the fact that they trusted me to direct it and the fact that they were willing to do especially for a short film yeah because if, i know you've seen the film that it's very a lot of people say it feels very feature-esque for a 36-minute movie, and I was very honored that they had the courage and that they knew they were in safe hands. And that's important. And yeah. how do you, beyond um, discussing, say you're on the set, um, mm-hmm. do you do a reduced set? Um, obviously, you want to make it kind of locked down so people aren't going in or out. Um, yeah. No phones or cameras, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things on set that you did to make sure that they were comfortable. So when we would do, when we did the sex scene, it was just me, the two actors, the cinematographer and the sound person on set and um, the choreographer. Um, And then when we did the rape scene, same thing. And then everyone else I had leave the set. So it was just me and the five crew that are essential to the scene and the two actors. So I wanted them, I didn't want, all these unnecessary eyes on the subject that didn't need to be there and stuff. And also, it's I very I learned a lot doing that because it's like I was very honored that I had the choreographer there because he taught me all about when to jump in to discuss with the actor when they're in the moment, and then when you're done to like just go up to them and like make them feel reassured that they're safe and, and all that. Yeah, it's because that's of paramount importance. You know, mm-hmm. You're not going to get a good performance. From someone yeah. who is uncomfortable or someone who is um, not uh, not forthright with what they're not want. forthright. I'm, it's a very easy word. I'm trying to figure out. Um, you want them not un- unconfident, 
Some, yeah. something like that. Like they want, they want to give they you what they want. Know. Yeah, because I've heard so many horror stories from my actor friends about how they'll sign up for something. And like the, there's an intimate scene, but they'll say implied on the casting notice, and then when they get to set the act director, like, so will you take your top off or this or that? And they're like, well, I didn't sign up for that. And it's like I I've learned from that, especially that it's better. You have to always be honest with the actor. Like there's no excuse for throwing something at them the day on set like they should know what they're signing up for so that way you have an actor that's going to be comfortable with whatever um the story entails right and for all the actors out mm -hmm. there if anyone ever tells you that you know it's okay to leave. walk away <laughs> yeah it's probably going to be it might be a little uncomfortable to leave but probably going to be mm -hmm. more uncomfortable for the it's other thing to work with someone that you'll survive yeah yeah all right jay we've talked about making horror film making a thriller mm -hmm. making a, a mix of the two um, a big element in those films are uh, the atmosphere, the mood. Something needs to be different. Yeah. Right? Something needs to be a little uncomfortable, a little surrealistic for those things to work. How do you go about creating that? So for me, when I am writing a story, I have, I'll do an outline first, the characters, the setting, and then I decide what kind of by like what kind of subgenre because I feel like with horror there's so many different subgenres that that's how you'll know what the atmosphere will be so if I know like with Leia it's a haunted house movie so I knew I wanted the atmosphere to feel very almost nightmare like mixed with a dream then with doses of reality and I really looked at watching like Dario Argento especially for the lighting with certain aspects and um the old like those old-fashioned gothic renaissance uh haunted mansion movies mm. so it's kind of like a blend of the two so i knew that there could be moments where it's just slow and drawn out and then when the the demons and stuff appear it's done in a very nightmare way okay so i've shot uh one horror film and it was like mm. it was an improv horror film so uh I haven't even finished <laughs> editing it because, you know, I, I had to, to, like, take a break and, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to look at this in a little bit and mm -hmm. figure out what can be done with it. Um, but it, it's very different um, to shooting the typical scripted piece mm -hmm. because there's a lot of silence. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of the actor, you know, maybe not acting in a way that's very obvious with speaking dialogue, but, you know, mm -hmm. how do you get that kind of a performance that you're looking for to suit the mood of the piece like for the silent moments um i feel like with me i'm with the actors we kind of come up with a full-on backstory and describing what is gonna what your character's journey is and what's entailing so like with leia that one was not very dialogue heavy so there are a lot of moments where it's just the lead actress Christina Toff like wandering around this like mansion and you, she's sensing that something's around so but she there's something because I think she's a dance she was she's a ballet dancer so there was something with like she knew how to work her eyes and her body to where you could whatever emotion needed to be there she you could just sense it with the body with she didn't even have to open her mouth good and, yeah. like when you work with actors especially that have dance backgrounds they know how to work their face and their body to where the audience knows exactly where their mind space is, and they don't even have to say a word of dialogue. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, especially at the last moment. 
like the last moment in the movie like when she she um spoiler alert dies there's i've never seen this before but like i i actually like thought she died like in my, the way she just the way she d moved her eyes she knew the way she contorted her face i was like i felt like i was witnessing like someone dying but that's how good she is because she knows how to use every any everything with the body and i was like wow like i was just impressed that when you work with an actor like that you're just reading everything and i saw all the sorrow and pain that her character's feeling leave her with the eyes oh that's fantastic yeah. so you know we're talking about the mood and everything the actors are a big part of that yeah. um talk a little bit about the casting process so with me, I f I'm very like how Ryan Murphy and Rob Zombie do, where they have like a, their troupe of actors mm. they bring back, and then they'll bring in a few like new actors they never worked with. So that's where I've been. Like I'll bring actors back that I enjoyed working with, and uh, a lot of the times, a lot of the actors that I'm friends with, I'll write a part for them that I know that they've never played before, or something that their agents are not sending them out. Like with my film Taste, Danielle, who played the rapist, she was always getting sent out to play, because she was a natural blonde, blue eyes, always getting sent out to play like the stereotypical girlfriend or like pretty girl role. And she she likes, she wanted to do something that she could sink her teeth in to. And I, since I'm friends with her, I could tell that she would really nail something really dark and intense. So then I wrote the part um, of the photographer for her and I had her change her whole look. I had her dye her hair like, almost black brown i picked out the wardrobe so i'm very like that with the actors where i can mold a look for them same with christina when she auditioned to be the model in taste um my two casting assistants weren't sure because she didn't look like a model when she went in but the thing is that's why i like to do my own castings because i can look at a headshot and i could i can tell if i'm gonna like someone's acting it's like a weird I don't know, like psychic thing. I Filmmaker know. sixth sense. Yeah, I'll like look at a picture and I'll like somehow be like, I could tell if they're a good actor, and I could see how I can mold them to physically look like the part. So like with Christina, I had her dye her hair ice blonde, and I picked out her wardrobe. And everyone that watches the movie thought she was like a real, like working model. So that's why I like to do my own castings because I know how to work with the actors to build it so that they are fully believable as the character and stuff like that. And I. I like challenging my friends to do roles that they might be nervous to, because I know both of them were so nervous about doing heavy subject matter, but that fact that they were dedicated to the script, it's like, it shows. And I, a lot of my actors' friends, like, they never get roles like this, and I like, I kind of like, sometimes I like enjoying just writing the roles for them more than me being like, ooh, my next film, like, I like, I just love watching actors and, like, seeing them bring something to life that was created on paper or the laptop that's great i, I love writing roles for people mm -hmm. like yeah it, it's when i work with a new person um a new actor it's yeah. it's either like all right there's one new person and you know they're they're a very important role or you mm -hmm. know i may like to just get to know someone have them play a smaller yeah. role at first so i get a feel for who they are their range yeah. and what they'd like to do and then yeah. i will always when i write um, a character, I need to see what that character looks like. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if I think, oh, this guy's perfect, um, he's never played a role like this, or if they have played a role like it before, mm -hmm. how can I twist it so it's something different and a challenge for them? Yeah. 
that's like with my friend, my friend Jess Davis. She's been in my film's Taste, Leia, and then she's the lead in my feature play. So she had a smaller part in Taste. But like, I remember when she came in the audition room, I was like, oh, she gets me. Like, it's just, she just did the audition. And like, we've been friends since we shot Taste in 2015. And like, Leia, she played the witch. So it was like, so I like knew how to write stuff for her that she wasn't getting to. And I, for me, I just love working with her because she's always like up for anything. That's great. It's good to have important. Um, yeah, it's good to have actors that you can count on and you're so familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so now back to the mood. You know, we've got mm. we've got the characters. Um, setting is so mm. important. What do you look for? Because a lot like a photography studio full of bright light, right? You yeah. know, nothing threatening there. Mm-hmm. So like with me, like I've lucked out with the only movie I've ever had to like rent a location for was for taste all the other films i like an actor or a friend will let me use their place but their places have all worked out perfectly like fit exactly when i'm writing it fits the story like for leia the haunted house my friend her parents are always saying oh jay you should just film a movie here one day and i was like well, i need to take them up on that and then <laughs> it presented itself one summer and the way the arch i don't know if you remember but the architecture of the house it, it like has two spikes so it almost looked like satan's horns oh okay that haunted house movie and i was like oh wow it just works so per-. and it's like made of wood so it looks just like a dark mask with horns and and they had the hot tub room that could easily be molded into like a witch's cavern or whatever and i was like and that's why i realized oh i never i never had to do set decorating for any of my films just the locations i've always got fit exactly wow by luck yeah (laughs) that's great the one thing i do remember from that film was the um i guess it was the hot tub the pool Mm -hmm. scene and with the the steam and everything it just made it seem you know a little surreal and a little like a horror movie Um, do you use fog or smoke a lot i think for leia that was pretty much the only film where i used like the smoke and my um cinematographer chris chris lind he I love the way he did it because I, I know when we were doing pre-production, I told him I pictured just Suspiria, Argento lighting, and the way he made the film just in that scene, it was like he used like red, pink, and blue hues. So like when the water would, there was a shot of Mark Geller who played the ghost, that the way the water would ripple and then all the colors are going, like it looked like stained glass like going on his body and I was just really impressed with that. Neat. That's awesome. All right, great. Thanks so much for talking with me. Um, where can we see your work? Um, so I have my first four films on YouTube on public. And then if anybody wants to see my like serious um, uh, thrillers, I guess they could like message me on Facebook or Instagram. So I don't have them on any streaming networks yet, but that's the goal. Okay. And then on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. All right, great. And I'll have links to those in the description. All right. <laughs> Jay, this has been great. Thank you so much for going indie depth with us. Thank you for having me. I hope you have a good day. You too. All right.